be seated in Christ. And before I start, I'm going to slip very easily out of my jacket, Reuben. Yes, I did have a word with Reuben when he walked in last week. I went, how come? I like to stir up the church, eh? Get a bit ho-ha going. Awesome, awesome. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord, eh? With fellow warriors, mighty people, giants of the, crea- of the creator of the universe, eh? We are sons and daughters of the Most High God, and it's so good. Awesome. So I get the great privilege and honor of wrapping up the series that we have had on the secret place. And when I was praying about this and God said, I want you to speak on Revelation. This is my moko and he just loves me. I love him so much. I am his secret place. Well, God said, I want you to speak on Revelations. And I'm like, really? Good me, revelation, wow. So, I want to take you on a spiritual flight this morning right into heaven, because that's where it all starts, just in case you are wondering. So I want you to buckle up, and like the flight attendant says, get ready for takeoff, because we are going to heaven this morning, because heaven is the spiritual headquarters where God's eternal plan is fulfilled not only for you and me, but for this world. And so it's very important to our life living on earth. Because when they asked Jesus what to pray, he said, you kingdom come on earth as it is on earth? No, as it is in heaven. In other words, we are meant to bring heaven to earth. That means that every difficulty and situation that you might go through in life, you say, no way, because it's a yes and amen. That's my prayer in their secret place. I don't do no. You can ask my, well, my parents are in heaven, actually. That's why I'm interested in heaven, because I've got lots of loved ones there. And I'm a yes and amen, because my heavenly father is a yes and amen. I don't do no. When Paul says, oh no, we've got no no money, or the visa card, I wait, yes and amen. I'm going higher than that. I go to my heavenly father, and he's always got loads. Loads and loads. I love it. So my title this morning is Come Up Here. And I'm going to take you to Revelation chapter 4. Here's the word. Okay. This is John. He's a very old-aged apostle by this time, and this is what he is saying and seeing. Verse 1, Revelation chapter 4. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Don't forget that, because that's very important. I'm going to tell you about the open door. There's nothing closed in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here. In other words, God God wants to get you moving, church. He doesn't want you to get comfy and lethargic and accept the status quo of what goes around. He wants to move you to something higher than you've ever seen before. Yes. At once, 
I, oh, it says, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Uh, once I was in the spirit because little old Ruth in the flesh can't go there, but my spirit can because it's alive and well kicking and firing. Two right it is, and I'm firing too. It's that Scottish in me as well, and the Viking. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance, and this is what John is describing now, of Jasper and Ruby. A rainbow. I want you to remember that as well, because I'm going to talk about that. Interesting, nothing ever is put in the scripture haphazardly. The Holy Spirit wants you to take note of everything that is detailed. I'm a detail person. As you notice, I love events. I love to put decorations up. And if it's not to the standard that I like, I say, nah, heaven's not boring. We can do better than that. Come on. So the detail of what is being described here is very important. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. I'm going to verse 9. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. Wow. Now, I'm Scottish, and so I don't really do the Suki Baba type stuff, but when God, Holy Spirit, I know Paul will tell you, I'm not that, he'll tell you, I'm a bit kind of, I get a little bit fiery occasionally, just very occasionally, but when, when I started to read this, I can tell you what, I got moved. Because I felt the Holy Spirit start to move me, and I just, I could see why John wept, and, and, and I wept. I was starting to get a little bit touched by this, these verses here, because this is powerful stuff. This is what will revolutionize your prayer life, because it starts in heaven. Okay, I want to um, read... The next verses that I want to read and uh, we'll keep moving on is Hebrews 4 verse 16. Let us, that's you and me, therefore come boldly or draw near as in some translations, but come boldly to the throne of judgment. No, to the throne of grace. Oh, I love it. That we may obtain mercy and find judgment? No. God's got something for you to find this morning, and it is grace to help in time of need. There we are. Revelation 4. The theme of this chapter is the word throne. It occurs 14 times in that very short passage of Scripture. There is a throne that rules the universe. And everything in this universe is totally in the control of one who sits on the throne. The one who sits on the throne is in control, control of your universe. The world that you think might be a little bit small and boring, or it might be big and, and crazy, he's in control of it. He's in control of coronavirus. He's in control of all the people that like to put theories on Facebook. 
He's controlling the universe. So you don't need to worry about the what ifs and the who said and who done it and what's it and Bob's your uncle and all of that. He is in control. That's good news right there. So the Holy Spirit says, come up here. He wants to direct your gaze and your attention away from us reasoning and the problems to the answer. The answer is him who sits on the throne controlling the universe. Who's the him? He is God in all his glory who's got every problem sussed before it was even thought up by some of you because you think sometimes you worry about your problems before they even come. He has it all sorted. So good. When you get a clear vision of God, the problems on earth take a different perspective. So from the heavenly vantage point, God reveals future things to John, who wrote the Revelation. Now, John is a very older, he was a disciple of Jesus. He was the one that spoke about himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. I like that. In other words, he knew where the secret place was. He went to it and he got near to it. That's Jesus. And he said, I'm, I'm the one. And I can tell you, for me, myself, I'm the one who Jesus loves. And if ever you're in any doubt, look to the cross and you'll remember and remind yourself how much Jesus loved. And then you'll start to move heaven to earth and think yes and amen with everything. So John is older. He's called the aged apostle at this point. He is the one that writes about himself as the one whom Jesus loved. But he's not in a good space when he writes the Revelation because he is imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos. Now, you think your world's bad at the moment. These Christians were being hunted, persecuted, tortured, everything that could possibly go wrong. Those pesky Romans thought they could conquer the world and they were out to get people who loved Jesus. They didn't like the good news of Jesus Christ. And this, you would think, how could anyone ever have vision and see clearly in a time like this? God moves, he moves. And, Jesus, and John, in this place of being in, um, in prison on the Patmos Isle, he starts to see. He sees a throne. And through the Holy Spirit, he starts to reveal things to John about the future. I tell you what, if you want to see what a future you have, get before God. And get a clear vision because nothing is so dark and desperate that God cannot move through his spirit. And you can have vision in any circumstance that you're going through, in any dark place that you are going through. God can move by his spirit and give you such great vision for your future. And I can tell you from the Holy Spirit, you have an amazing future. Because the revelation, people actually, I hear them, they say, oh, it's the revelation, it's judgment and that. Do you know what the revelation is about? Jesus! How cool is that? There's just a little bit of other stuff going on, but it's the focus is Jesus. 
And the focus of Revelation chapter 4 is God in all his glory, who sits upon his throne, who moves things, who moves people, who moves heaven and earth. He moved heaven and earth for you. And he'll continue to do so. And he says, come up here, because everything is so different from the heavenly perspective. And John could never know the future and receive prophetic insight and wisdom to write this book if he had not gone in by the Spirit to the, to the throne room. And that's where God wants to meet you. In your secret place, he wants to draw you up to get you to come up, to see and move from heaven to earth. I love it. I love it. I love that. Seriously, I just love it. So good. I just love how God answers my prayers. And I don't do no, it's yes and amen. I just love it. And I see miracles all the time. All the time. Miracles. Even when I say something and I say it, like just recently, Paul and I went away to the South Island for a trip. And I believe that heaven is more than five stars. So I say to my husband, I like five star. That's my idea of a holiday. And for the idea of camping and roughing it, I'm a four star girl. That's me. So we went away to this place. I had um, tried to book into this five star hotel. And I'm saying, oh, Lord, I've got Evangeline, and I need, I need two, and I meant to say double beds in, in the big room that we're going to. And as I'm, I just said, oh, I need two double rooms, whatever that is. So I gets to the hotel, and I walks up, and I says, oh, I'm checking in for the white heads. And then she looks at me, and she looks away, she looks at me, she looks away, and she went, I've got a problem. And she says, I can see that you've requested in by email two double beds, but she said, for some reason, and this is a massive hotel, we haven't got any. And I went, okay. And she says, but what I can do, I can give you two rooms, free of charge, joining. And Evangeline's looking at me, and I tell you what, it was like massive. You could get lost in it. And she says, and I'm going to put you up high. So, you know, I don't know if you're aware, the higher you go in a hotel, it's like you get the penthouse and then you get... So, and I'm like, put me high up. I, I'm, I'm all for it. I love that higher ground. And so Evangeline's like, whoa, I get my own room to myself. But that's your heavenly father. He just wants to bless you. He wants to, and he just loves to answer your prayers. Wow. So ask big. If you want two double rooms, ask for two double rooms. I love it. I do. I, I, I just, I see this a lot and I'm going to keep seeing it because some of you might be hard of hearing. Ask and you shall receive. Yes, if you need something, guess what? He supplies your needs as well as you want. So if you want a bowl of ice cream, ask for a bowl of ice cream. If you want sprinkles on top, ask for sprinkles on top. And he will go over and above. So cool. Love it. Anyway, I'm getting them. Um, God is the answer to your question, Mark. It starts, Revelation 4, with seeing God in all his glory. 
and greatness. And when we get a vision of how big and mighty and great our God is, you will believe for miracles. You will believe for big things because I tell you what, it will revolutionize your prayer life. Wow, when I just got such a revelation of the loving heart of the Father and how big and mighty he was, I couldn't help but ask big. Because God gets so bored. I reckon he does. Keep, I mean, I, can, I, when I get bored with people's little, little ask big. Sometimes, you know, God is like, oh, just go a bit, ask a bit bigger. Ask a bit bigger. I'm actually big. God is like, I'm a, I'm a big God. I, I just cover the whole universe in case you hadn't noticed. And you can ask big. You can ask big. Yes, too right. So when you get a, a glimpse of the glory and greatness of God, the things that bugged you and troubled you, just pale into insignificance in the light of his glory and grace. So what is this place like? Well, Revelation 4. It's a place of acceptance. That's what Hebrews tells us. It's a place of acceptance. There's an open door that's not closed there. That's what John saw. He saw an open door. Point one. You have the freedom to walk in. The freedom to walk in with no condemnation. If you go before the throne of grace, grace, feeling condemned, that will affect your prayer life because you'll feel ashamed, you'll feel unworthy to ask, you will feel all sorts of things that the enemy wants to rob you of your greatness before God. And you'll start to think small and ask small. Yeah, to your right, I'm going to preach it because I believe it and I've proved it in my own life. I mean, I have such a hot husband. He is so good. I asked for him and God is so good. I can tell you he copes with me big time. Don't worry. You're looking at me a bit worried, aren't you? He never knows what I'm going to say. You're good. Nothing's coming. Just dinner tonight, hopefully. When your friend says to you, my door is always open to you, you have a good friend. Well, your heavenly Father's door is open and you walk right in there before the throne of grace. No condemnation because there's no sin in heaven. You know, you can come before God and you can talk about all of that stuff and he's like, oh, I just... God wants to give you a view of what he sees about you and for you, a kingdom view. Not one down here where we have our problems and we have our aches and pains and we have our ho-ha with the husband or the wife or the mother-in-law and, you know, it's like... Ugh. It's all right, you're good, Paul, remember? He sits on a throne. This throne is like any other throne. There is no earthly throne of any king or throne that has ever been called a throne of grace, but your heavenly Father's is. You need to get that. How am I doing? I've got 10 minutes and a bit. Cool. Our God is so bent towards grace that he seats himself upon it. He sits on grace. That's what it is. It's a throne of grace. 
And just in case you can't get that, he says, and I want you to find it. That's what Hebrews said. I'm going to go back and just remind you what it says. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He's got loads of it for you, and it never, ever, 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 ever runs out. So cool. And not only is there grace when you come before your Heavenly Father, but just in case you feel condemnation still a little bit, God has another verse for you. Romans 8, verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? Question mark. Here's your answer. No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for you. So in other words, Christ's work at the cross for your salvation was finished. It is finished. But guess what? Something isn't finished. Really? Yes. Guess what it is? His care for you. He always and ever will be the eternal shepherd. That means he will go after you when you walk away. He loves you. He doesn't take a Kit Kat and a coffee break in heaven and say, I've done my job, I'm over it really. I've done all that was expected. No, he is there at the right hand of him who sits on the throne of grace. And he says, do you know that guy, Paul? He's awesome. He's amazing. He's got a great future, and that's my son. That's what he's saying about you. Forget about the stuff-ups. That's all behind you. Just go in towards this amazing future that John saw, this great future in heaven. I love it. So that was point one. It's a place of acceptance, an open door. Right. done that. Point two. It's a place, just in case you're wondering about the secret place, where secrets are revealed. I can tell you, and I'm going to share this, if you have something that you don't know that you want to know about, you can get it from your Heavenly Father. You can walk right into that throne of grace and you can ask Him, I'm a busy mum. I, I lose stuff sometimes in the weirdest of places and, and I have special things like rings, all sorts of things that mean a lot to me and I've lost them. And I've like, well, Lord, you know where it is so you have to put me in that right place and I always find it. Always. Always. It's a place where secrets are revealed. When Daniel had to stand before the earthly king Nebuchadnezzar, he had no clue what the dream was about, but God knew. And Daniel went into the secret place, and God showed him what this dream had been about. And he stands before Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, I can tell you that it's not me, it's God who is the revealer of secrets. And sometimes he's the revealer of deep things. And I want to tell you, there was a time that I had a really deep thing going on, so my eldest sister decided at the age of 17 or 18 to run away and get married to a guy she met in the army. So she just took off, got married. 
And it kind of broke my mum and dad's heart, but they continued to love her and they loved um, her husband, my brother-in-law. He was like a brother to me. I was really, really close to him. And um, I did lots with him. When I used to train with him at the army, I'd go and stay with them, and I'd run with him, and, and I just, just really loved him because I'm one of four girls. I'm the youngest, and I never had a brother. So he was like a brother to me. And uh, once I moved over here, they, she was the only sister in him that actually came to visit me here in Kirikiri. They came and had a holiday here. So I was quite close to him. And one day I got a phone call. And it was my sister, and she was crying, and she said, Conrad has died. At the age of 51, he was walking home from work to get, to get on the train, went in to get a newspaper, and he just dropped dead, like that. Now, my mum had prayed 29 years they were married. She, um, my mum prayed 29 years for him to come to know Jesus, and he died. And this was devastating. I was so devastated. We were shocked and devastated. I got on a plane within half an hour, I think it was, something like that. Carmel came with me, went back for 10 days, supported my sister, looked after the family, did the tangy, and then I came home. And I was tired, emotionally drained from everything. And then I thought, you know what? I want to know that all is well with my brother. I'm not happy, I said. So I went into the secret place. I just walked right in there, boldly. And my heart was aching. I'm bawling my eyes out, crying. And I went, Father, you are faithful to your promises. You reveal secrets. And I said, you know, 29 years my mother and I have prayed for his salvation. But you know, Lord, what is right, and you are the judge of all the earth. So I want to know. I'm not settling till I know this secret thing that I want revealed to me. And I'm, I mean, I mean, I'm crying. I'm just because this was he was so dear to me. And then God spoke. Heaven, him who sits on the throne, spoke to me. And he, and this is like one two in the morning. And he said, pick up your Bible. I want you to open it, and I want you to read what is on the page. So I opened my Bible, and I looked down, and it was at Luke. I think it's 23 or 4 or whatever it was. And it's Jesus is on the cross, and it says there, there were two criminals side by side. And one of them looked to Jesus, and he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked at him and he replied, I tell you the truth, today you shall be with me in paradise. And I am bawling like by this time. And I just, and God spoke again and he said, that's your answer. And I'm, I'm like, the peace, I'm crying, but there's peace. And I just knew that I knew that I knew that all was well. And so I phoned my mum and I phoned my sister and my mum said, I was too scared to ask. I went, well, I'm asking. Because <laughs> I want to know. I want to know. Your heavenly father is such a loving father. It's a place where secrets are revealed. 
And it's a place, point three, where we are reminded that God is faithful to his promise. How do we know that? That he does answer prayer. Because, as I pointed out in the verse, there's a rainbow. Do you remember where the rainbow is mentioned? Genesis. And it's about Noah who was, had to go into the ark, which represents Jesus for safety from the judgments and the storms around of life. It says Noah, which means grace or rest. And there was a rainbow there, and it was God promised Noah, I will never again flood the earth. And there's a rainbow in heaven. Just in case when you're standing there before the throne of grace with your petitions and your quests, he's faithful to his promises. He will never, ever, ever let you down. So if you are trusting him to come through, guess what? He will come through. He is faithful to his promises. And the rainbow, whenever you see it in the sky, is a reminder. And it encircles the throne. Definitely. It's not just half a rainbow, it's actually a full one. I've actually seen a full one. It's amazing. So good, so good. So, that's point three. He is faithful to his promises. And what else is there? Lastly, it's a place of worship where God is the focus. I love that. Because when you get your eyes off the earthly problems and you start to focus on your heavenly Father and you glorify Him, everything becomes a possibility in Him. So good. I remember Bill Johnson saying to me once when he was, we used to do a conference with him speaking, and he said if people spent 80% of their time in the secret place worshipping the Father, the 20% is a done deal. That's what it's about. It's about getting things in the right perspective. Heaven to earth. Glorifying the Father and your 20% of your problems don't really seem like problems when you start to glorify your Father because you see how amazing He is. He wants us to bring heaven to us. And Colossians 3 verse 2 says this, Set your mind on things above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. In other words, heaven is your home. It's where you dwell. Guess what's down here? That's just a field trip. Because you belong in heaven. Your spirit is there. Your mind is there. The possibilities are there. Your dreams are there. And this is a field trip. This is just the outworkings of what we get from there. So good. And there is joy there. That's what I like. Isn't it good? There is fullness of joy in the presence. You will never, ever come away from glorifying the Father and feel miserable. There'll be this inner peace and strength and joy. You are the greatest billboard advertisement that Jesus has. So are you going to look like you've been baptized in prune juice or are you going to have the glorified Jesus? I love him. I'm going to have a smile on the dial. And guess what? Even when we can go through times of grief, there is an inner peace and there is a joy 
that just passes all understanding. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, but it does up there. So come up here, church. I want to leave you with those three words. Come up here. Let's stand and praise our Heavenly Father. I've actually asked for this song. Are we going to sing it? In the light of His glory and grace, everything pales into insignificance. Bless you, church.